If you love the History Extra podcast, make sure you follow us to keep up to date and get all the latest episodes. Thanks for your support, and I do hope you enjoy this episode. Early modern witch trials are tragic and spectacular, and also they've presented modernity with a conundrum, which is that back in their time, to those who carried them out, witch hunting made perfect sense. That was because you were fighting a conspiracy by Satan using evil people. But come the 18th century, the educated elites all accepted that magic as traditionally conceived doesn't exist, in which case the witch trials suddenly become an apparently senseless and horrific episode in history. That was Ronald Hutton discussing the history of witchcraft. You're listening to the History Extra podcast from BBC History magazine. We're the UK's best-selling history magazine, available in print and several digital formats all over the world. Find out more at historyextra.com forward slash subscribe or look out for us in your digital newsstand or app store. Hello and welcome to the History Extra podcast. I'm Rob Attar, the editor of BBC History magazine. Today's interview is with Professor Ronald Hutton, a historian and author based at the University of Bristol. Ronald is the author of a new book entitled The Witch, which explores over 2,000 years of witchcraft and the persecutions those accused of being witches had to face. He spoke to our deputy editor, Charlotte Hodgman. What made you want to to write this book? I mean, it's got a huge scope, hasn't it? It took a quarter of a century. I took up the subject because I have romantic tastes in history. Basically, the stuff in which I work is the stuff which fascinated me when I was an early teenager. And also, the field of witchcraft is a huge developing one in cultural history. There's been an enormous amount of work in the early modern witch trials, but rather less work and tying those up with the ancient world and with the rest of the planet. And I thought I'd carry out an attempt at that work. Um, so, I mean, the, the definitions of, of witch um, and, and even magic, I mean, when were these terms first being used and... Is there kind of a definition for both of those that you you can use across history? Academics argue endlessly these days about the definition of magic. The one that I use is a set of techniques employed by human beings in the hope of exploiting superhuman or supernatural power for their own purposes. So not necessarily for for evil or or bad? No, it's completely neutral. And I I think most people would accept uh, that quality. As for the definition of witch, there are four circulating in the modern world that have equal validity. Two are really old, two are modern. The two that are old is a witch is somebody who uses magic to hurt people, or else a witch is somebody who uses magic for any purpose, okay, good or bad. Some people distinguish white or good witches from evil or black witches if they use the second definition. Third definition is a witch is a woman uh, of independent spirit who is persecuted for it by men in an age of patriarchy. It's a feminist reading. Mm. And the fourth is that a witch is a practitioner of a surviving pagan religion. Okay. And certainly at the present day, there are perfectly viable religions of pagan witchcraft, Mm. which have appeared in the last century. Okay. So when when do we first sort of see that that term witch being used, uh, uh, you know, to describe people? Term witch is Anglo-Saxon. 
Oh, okay. That, that early? It, yeah, it, it appears at the beginning of history mm. among English speakers. And what it means is actually not that clear because all the texts we have are from reforming belligerent puritanical churchmen <laughs> who use the term to uh, demonise all magic. Mm. There are hints in the law codes that the term which did have the sense that it has later among ordinary people of specifically somebody who works harmful magic. But I think we can never be sure. No. OK. Um, you, you mentioned um, a minute ago about we, we know quite a lot of a lot of studies been done about the the early modern witch trials. And that seems to be what, what, when you think of witchcraft, that's what people think about in, in history. Um, why do you think... Um, why do you think that's what people have studied so much? Why have people not sort of looked at witchcraft through history as much as, as the early modern periods? Well, the early modern witch trials are tragic and spectacular and they're a, they're a phenomenon which covers most of Europe mm. and European colonies and the New World, so they embrace all Europeans. Uh, but also they've presented modernity with a conundrum, which is that back in their time, to those who carried them out, witch hunting made perfect sense. And uh, that was because you were fighting a conspiracy by Satan using evil people. But come the 18th century, the educated elites all accepted that magic, as traditionally conceived, doesn't exist. In which case, the witch trials suddenly become an apparently senseless and horrific episode in history. And so they demand explanation for people who are irreligious or from more tolerant kinds of religion uh, or who just um, want to preserve toleration across the world. Uh, they're a stick with which to beat traditional churches and um, social elites. And to the people who are being beaten, there's an obvious need to find another explanation. Mm. I mean, have you found anything similar in your studies um, of sort of global witchcraft, similar um, to the, the European, those, those trials that you, you mention? Witch hunting has been found in every single inhabited continent of the world among most of the peoples who've inhabited the earth. Right. But it's not a universal human trait. The largest witch-free area on the planet is Siberia, which covers a third of the Northern Hemisphere. Okay. So there are some quite big exceptions. But the majority of human beings have feared magic and have persecuted people they believe to have used it wrongly. Mm. Okay. Um, so how, how different is, is Europe's witchcraft history um, to that of the rest of the world from, from what you've, you've been looking at? Europe looks pretty normal with the rest of the world except in two respects. The first is the bad news that Europe's the only place which associated witchcraft with a demonic anti-religion, a fully developed religion worshipping the devil, mm -hmm. which was pitted against the established religion. And the second is the good news that Europe's the only area on the planet whose peoples have mostly traditionally believed in witchcraft that have lost the belief oh, and it? officially okay. ceased to believe in it. So why, why do you think that's, that's the case? I think because the early modern witch trials were themselves a short-lived scientific experiment. In other words, until then, people had believed that uh, human beings could work harm by magic. But that didn't result in a great level of prosecution most of the time. But in the 15th century, Christian theologians developed this paranoic idea of a satanic conspiracy to destroy the human race, mm. using evil people and giving them uh, magical powers through demons. And this caught on, and it was employed as a solution to problems. In other words, if you wiped out the presumed witches in your area, you could stop being unlucky. 
And it didn't work. No. Areas that had massive witch hunts were more traumatised, divided, and in some areas significantly depopulated. And areas that didn't stage witch hunts didn't have those deficiencies, and they had equally good luck, Mm. healthy children, uh, healthy livestock, good weather, compared with anybody else. And so it was given up as a bad idea. And that was that's kind of a purely a European phenomenon, was it? Yeah, it goes with a certain cast of scientific thinking, which has been less obvious until European influence spread in the rest of the planet. So how did um, how did witch hunts how did they take place in other places in the world? Witch hunts globally are pretty much the same thing, and they require two things to kick off. The first is a population that's under economic and social pressure, in which people feel pushed to the margins, so any bit of bad luck is going to destroy their lives. And then when they get the bad luck and the lives are being destroyed, they blame witchcraft. And to pull this together, the second element is witch hunters, experts who claim to be capable of detecting witches and of dealing with them. Mm. And when these get their hands in a population that's in a ferment of fear, then the explosion occurs. Okay. Um, one of um, probably one of the most well-known witch trials outside of the the European ones were the Salem witch trials of sixteen ninety two. Um, what kind of happened here and why does this case, do you think, stand out for people so much? It stands out for people because it's the only big witch hunt in the British colonies in America. And uh, since America is the dominant nation and cultural force in the world today, <clears throat> it has made Salem the most famous witch hunt in the West. It's uh, also extremely well recorded and it's an intensely dramatic story. It's just made for stage or screen of uh, a divided community in which um, a group of adolescent women and some adults believe themselves to be bewitched and stirred up by uh, a, a crazy minister whose career is on the rocks and who wants to salvage it, uh, launch a massive witch hunt. And this spreads until hundreds of people are under suspicion in the area, although the actual death toll is around 20, if you include um, somebody who was uh, pressed to death for refusing to plead. Mm. It's 21. Has the figure of the witch always been sort of predominantly female? Um, You sort of mentioned about persecution of of women. It depends where you are uh, in Europe. Overwhelmingly, Europeans traditionally associate women with magic, naturally, rather than men. Uh, Men are believed to be able to learn magic from books or from teachers, but women just have it in them, which is why women in European culture traditionally feature as prophetesses, as sibyls, as uh, oracles. Mm. They, they come in when the men can't figure out what's going on. And therefore, if women can just do magic, then they can also work evil magic far more spontaneously than men. And this belief goes right back to the ancient world. But there are areas of Europe, Iceland, Normandy, some of the Austrian lands, where overwhelmingly the people are suspected of witchcraft are men. And this is because the ancient traditions in those area, those areas uh, tended to think that men were the more dangerous sex magically. What about outside of Europe? Outside of Europe, it's extremely varied. Among the vast number of peoples in the extra-European world who've hunted witches, there is no common pattern. In some areas, women are the suspected group. In others, it's men. In some, it's the old. In some, it's the young. In some, it's the rich. In some, it's the poor. Okay, so, yeah, real vary. Gender is a great variable. Mm. 
so um, <coughs> how did um, how did ancient societies view witchcraft and magic, and, and how did these views sort of change? It depends on which ancient society you're living. Uh, Egypt spectacularly doesn't have a belief in witchcraft and doesn't fear it. Okay. It isn't worried about magic. Across the whole Fertile Crescent from Palestine round to the Persian Gulf, there is an acute fear of witchcraft and it's associated with an even more acute fear of demons. That's evil spirits in the natural world and there's a death penalty for witchcraft. In the Greek world, there doesn't seem to be much fear of witchcraft, although magicians occasionally get executed for impiety. The Romans, on the other hand, have uh, a, a very sharp image of the witch as being an evil woman. And they're also witch hunters on a big scale if we translate um, their texts properly. And so really what hits medieval and early modern Europe is a combination of Roman culture with fertile crescent culture, the demons and the witch figure from there, brought together by the Bible. Mm. Uh, yeah, I was going to actually mention about, you know, religion <coughs> um, and magic. Um, you mentioned were kind of quite intrinsically linked in, especially in, in Egyptian um, society. Um, did the, was this echoed elsewhere? Did, it, did this change? Um, you know, because um, later on, religion and, and magic are kind of at uh, kind of loggerheads. Um, when when was this kind of change seen? It's the ancient Greeks who first make a sharp distinction between religion and magic at least officially. And this distinction just goes straight into Roman culture and from Roman culture straight into Christian culture and from that into a lot of secular modern culture that basically magic is about human beings working power for their own ends and is impious and antisocial and distinctly dodgy. Mm. And religion is about humans honouring deities and asking them for favours and that's perfectly okay as long as they're the right kind of deity. Elsewhere in the ancient world, things are, are a bit different. Uh, on the whole, the people of the Fertile Crescent, that's Hebrews, Hittites, Persians, Babylonians, Assyrians, uh, agree with the Greeks and the Romans about this. They, they hunt witches and uh, they keep religion and magic apart. But the Egyptians don't. They're totally happy to mix the two. And what sort of impact do you think um, the church or you know religion has had on witchcraft and magic in Europe? On the whole, the initial effect of Christianity was to damp down witch hunting quite a bit because uh, with a, an all-powerful, all-good God who controls the entire cosmos, there's less room, theoretically, for evil to operate without uh, human beings embracing it voluntarily and God licensing it. And so there are whole areas of uh, magic, like a belief in night-flying witches and demonesses working together to persecute humans, on which the church frowns. Also, the early medieval church is very confident because Christianity is spreading so fast. And so uh, they, they tend to damp down witch hunting and damp down persecution of magicians because they blame the demons instead. Oh, okay. And they can take those out. Mm. But the Christian church, especially in the West, loses confidence 
a lot in the high Middle Ages. Plague reappears. The climate's getting worse. Islam is driving back Christianity from the Holy Land and then through southeastern Europe. And so Christianity gets a lot more edgy and begins to turn upon enemies within. And that's what breeds a totally new and lethal idea of the satanic witch. And that's when we sort of see the rise in the Middle Ages, the persecution of, of witches. Yeah, it, it begins in the 15th century. It really takes off in the Reformation era. And, and why did it kind of then die down? What, what caused that? On the whole, witch hunting dies down because it doesn't work, as, as I've said earlier. Mm. Uh, and what dies down first is confidence in good evidence. Uh, really, the only sure way in which you can uh, convict somebody of witchcraft is either an entire community lines up against her, or occasionally him, uh, or more often if the accused can be persuaded to confess. So bullying, browbeating, starving, and above all, direct torture are the ways to produce this. And by the 17th century, a lot of dispassionate people were getting really worried about the implications of torturing people into confession. And when the people didn't need the torture to confess, they seemed often to be patently daft. And so the question arose of how you actually get objective evidence mm. of witchcraft, since you can't actually produce the demons and can't actually objectify the magic? And the answer is you can't. So increasing loss of nerve about convicting people preceded a general loss of belief in magic. Okay. I mean, particularly in the, in the early modern witch trials, um, some of the accounts and the, the confessions given by the, the accused uh, are quite sort of fantastical and, and elaborate, you know, confessing to, to sort of <clears throat> consorting with demons and, and familiars and things like that. What Aside from torture, why would why would somebody confess to that type of thing, do you think? Across most of the areas of the major witch hunts, uh, torture in one form or another is really important. You can't leave it out. So without the torture, we're dealing with a minority of cases. And about those, we can only speculate. Stockholm Syndrome when mm. the uh, the accused take on the thought world of uh, their captors. Uh, false Memory Syndrome which has been proved in modern times, uh, straightforward insanity, a belief in dreams. A lot of people at this period can't distinguish dreams from reality. So if you dream vividly, you've gone to a witch's sabbat. If you can believe your spirit's gone forth while your body lies sleeping in bed, then you're there. Mm. So there's a whole range of possibilities. Your book doesn't just focus um, on witches. You also look at... Um ghosts, fairies, Satanism, quite a, quite a broad range of, of topics. Is there a link between these... Um, these topics and and witchcraft history? Well, there is. I, I, I don't do much on ghosts. I have a chapter on fairies mm. because in certain parts of Europe, mostly on the fringe, including Britain, fairies are very important in magic. Uh, a lot of uh, magicians who offer their services for money in medieval, early modern Europe, claim to have learned their skills from the fairies. It's a very good way of avoiding questions <laughs> as to where you get your knowledge. And these sometimes get mixed up in witch trials spectacularly, especially in Scotland. And so there is a direct relationship there. And you mentioned that Britain in particular has quite a, has a, a strong folklore history. Um, but there's sort of certain areas, aren't there, um, that have a stronger history. Why do you think certain areas kind of... Um, focused on the, on this type of thing more than than others? Different areas have different folklore traditions and mm. some are more friendly to witchcraft trials than others. Take fairies, for example. Fairies happen in three zones 
across Britain, in the southeast and uh, around cities. Uh, they're not very important. They're small. They're mischievous, but they're really not a big issue. Across the middle zone, uh, which is Wales, the southwest, northern Britain, southern Scotland, fairies are bigger and fiercer, and uh, they have to be reckoned with. Uh, but if you propitiate them and do the right things and stay out of uh, the more dangerous natural places, you're probably okay. But across uh, the Gaelic world, Highlands and Islands, Scotland, Man and Mile of Man and Ireland, uh, they're much bigger. They're much more dangerous. In fact, in those areas, they largely take over the role of witches in being the magical danger to humans. Why do you think um, there's still so much fear around uh, witchcraft and, and magic. Um, do you think these, these, this sort of attitude will, will ever change? I think the attitude is changing. I mean, it's changed an enormous amount since the early modern period, which is why we don't have witch hunts anymore and why witchcraft is not a crime across most of the West. Uh, but I'd like to see it go altogether. The hangover in the West is due to the fact that uh, people still suffer fortune or misfortune that they feel is uncanny. And uh, there is a, an ancestral tendency to seek a magical explanation or a supernatural explanation. Also, people are often still devoutly religious, and witchcraft is in the Bible. Yes. So you actually need to be able to talk yourself out of that and talk round it to be a, a witch-free Christian, which, which can be done, but mm. it takes a, a bit of uh, thought. Uh, and finally, there's this massive post-Christian, post-early uh, modern hangover in society among many people who no longer have religious beliefs, but still have this vague, formless fear of magic. Mm. I mean, and that fear... Um seems to have been present for, you know, throughout history. But was there ever a time when, you know, being accused, being thought of being a witch was actually a, a, a positive thing and, and witches were celebrated? Well, there never was a time anywhere in which people who use magic to hurt their neighbours or no. anybody else were celebrated. They're criminals, mm. like murderers, thieves and rapists. Uh, but if you define witch in uh, the other big traditional sense as anybody who works magic, then anybody who works magic to help people, if only for a price, tends, if they appear to be successful, mm. to be respected and uh, much demanded figures in their communities. Mm. I tend not to use the word witch for these characters, not because I have uh, any deep-rooted uh, hostility towards the idea, but uh, to distinguish them is helpful because they're kind of opposites to each other. Uh, the witches who are believed to work bad magic are identified and hunted by the magicians who work good magic. So these helpful magicians, if you're a client, uh, who mm. are often called cunning folk or wise folk in English, I call service magicians, because okay. that really stresses their role. Um, and people really saw that distinction, <coughs> did they? Oh, they... people saw them as polar opposites. Right. There's occasionally an overlap when a service magician is regarded as going to the bad or dabbling in destructive magic for a price, as well as good magic. Mm. Um, I mean, presumably you know, being that sort of cunning person, um, you were sort of leaving yourself open to, um, you know, if something went wrong later on in that person's life that you, you provided a service for, you could then be blamed. That is quite true. And uh, what looks on present evidence like a small minority of the people executed in witch trials were failed service magicians. 
Okay. But only a small minority. What it seems definitely didn't happen was that um, the witch hunts rounded up the service magicians. Most service magicians seem to have done pretty well out of witch hunting by identifying witches. What always kind of fascinates me is how, you know, neighbours who've lived lived next next door to each other for, for years and years and, and families that have known each other can suddenly turn and be absolutely convinced that that, that person, that lady living next door, is, is a, a witch and has, has, has you know, caused some, them some ill. Um, why do you think people were sort of almost so ready to, to do that? Well, did they just get caught up in the whole kind of witch craze? Traditional communities are riven by latent divisions and tensions, which normally they can contain. But when circumstances change, they erupt lethally. Just look at Rwanda or look at uh, what happened in Bosnia. And the parallel pattern when you're speaking of witchcraft is in societies that deeply believe in magic, they're always going to be people who think they're bewitched. And normally they'll counter it by household magic of their own or hiring a service magician. But if there is a mood abroad that witches should be rooted out finally, they'll take that option. What sort of role has the crown had? Across most of the world and certainly across Britain, rulers tend to stay out of witch hunts unless they're rulers of very small territories like many of those in Germany where they're caught up in a local panic. Uh, But there are exceptions. Uh, Here and there in history, a monarch or a chief uses the fear of witches to enhance his own power. And James VI of Scotland is the outstanding example in Britain, although later, when he was ruling England as well, he became notably sceptical about witch accusations. He's like a pendulum on the matter. But uh, Shaka, or Ushaka, the great founder of the Zulu kingdom, was a notable witch hunter. Manuelito, who's uh, a Native American chief in the uh, southwest, is another handsome lake, uh, an Iroquois Seneca chief in the the northeast, are people who found their power on witch hunting. Okay, so it it could could benefit you. Uh, It could benefit you, definitely, if you harness that fear and used it to get extra power for yourself. Okay. Um, you, um, you've mentioned that um, sources for the early med- modern period, um, and you mentioned Salem, are, were, are, are quite plentiful. Um, but presumably um, sources <clears throat> for earlier periods are probably a lot scarcer. Um, how have you sort of gone about, has it been hard to kind of do the research, for, especially for the global aspect of your, of your book? The global aspect uh, is not a problem for material because it depends on um, histories written by 19th, early 20th century European visitors and invaders in the developing world and the growing and now enormous number of anthropological studies made of traditional peoples with a view to looking at witchcraft. As for early Europe, uh, the ancient evidence is all legal codes and in the Greek and Roman case, literary texts as well. So we get snapshots of what the elite think Mm. and want done, but not a lot more. For the Middle Ages, there are legal records in patches from the 12th century onwards. And earlier than that, we're not supposed to have much, but oh boy, believe me, there's an enormous amount of writing left by churchmen. Anybody who's waded through the successive volumes of Patrologia Latinae or uh, the the monumental history of Germany um, will will know quite how much there is. And and, um, finally, do you think we've discovered everything there is to know about about witchcraft history? Do you think there's still a lot more to find out? 
I think that uh, in whole areas of Europe and in whole areas of history, the work has only just begun. That was Professor Ronald Hutton. The Witch, A History of Fear from Ancient Times to the Present, is out now in the UK, published by Yale. And in the US, it's due to be released next month by the same publisher. Meanwhile, you can read a written version of this interview in the August edition of BBC History magazine, which is still on sale for a few more days. Also in this month's issue, we have pieces on the Battle of Passchendaele, a Victorian murder scandal, and the partition of India, among other things. You can get hold of our August issue now in all good news agents and on the iPad, Kindle, and many other digital devices. Now, before we go, don't forget that tickets for our live events at Winchester and York are currently on sale. The weekends take place from the 6th to 8th of October and the 24th to 26th of November. And talks are now beginning to sell out. Head to historyweekend.com for more details and to purchase tickets. Well, that's about it for today, but please do join us again on Thursday when we'll be talking to Stuart McConey about the Jarrow March of 1936. Thanks for listening to this History Extra podcast, which was produced by Jack Fletcher. Do let us know what you think about this episode by emailing podcast at historyextra.com and we might read out your messages in future editions. Alternatively, why not keep in touch via Twitter or Facebook, where you'll find us at History Extra. For more great history content, don't forget to visit our website, historyextra.com, which is full of history articles, quizzes, image galleries and more. Plus, it's where you can download hundreds of previous episodes of this podcast. <laughs>